When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Welcome to an amazing episode of After Impact. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with none other than Agent Smith. Mr. Bilyeu. What is up, dude? You know, just uh, feeling a little bit better now. Feeling better, yeah. You had a rough day yesterday. Yep. That's what happens when you play food truck roulette. Yeah. Yeah. That's a dicey game, my friend. It It is is a dicey game. But I'm back in it. All right. Well, we're good to have you back. Let's talk about Noah Galloway. Yes. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on Facebook Live and on the podcast or YouTube, wherever you're consuming this content. Um, Let's just dive right in. Actually, before we do... Let's do that. So, one, if this is adding value, please do share it. That would be amazing, as that's how we grow the community. And, dearest community, we are at Mm. 95,000 likes, which is amazing, being as how we just launched in January. So, we are obscenely grateful for that. And as a thank you and to show our gratitude, I'm going to be doing a 24-hour live next Wednesday, August 23rd, starting at 9 a.m. and going until 9 a.m. on the 24th. Um, be sure to send in questions that you want answered. We're going to have a whole bunch of guests that are going to be joining me. We're going to be doing, I hope, some cool giveaways and stuff like that. So going to have a lot, a lot, a lot of cool stuff going on. We've programmed, like literally programmed, we're going to be doing this and this and this, and this person's going to be here this time, this time, this time, Um, a lot of the hours. I don't know that all 24, I think most not most, but like the later night hours, a lot of them are going to be me doing Q&A with the people that happen to be up at that time, the international crowd. Exactly, yes. So um, do join us for that. It is going to be really special. We are pulling out all the stops, doing a lot of cool stuff. So we will see you there next Wednesday for 24 hours live here on this set. 9 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's the one. No sleep. Join me. Let's get crazy. Awesome. It is going to be awesome. Thank you for that reminder. Absolutely. Um, okay. So Noah Galloway, if you don't know, he is, has an incredible story. And this episode was very moving, and, and a lot of people kind of commented on that mm. on YouTube. But he is an Afghanistan war veteran. He's a speaker, author. I think he was in Iraq. Oh, he was? For both tours. I'm almost certain. Uh, okay. Iraq war veteran. Speaker, author, um, and a veteran's advocate. Uh, he has an incredible story. He enlisted in the army after 9-11 and on his second tour was when he was hit by the Yeah, IED. about three months into his second tour. Yeah. He, lo- he loses his left leg and his left arm, um, but then he really starts to get in trouble. He sinks into a deep depression. Um, at one point, he ends up in the county jail with a DUI for 10 days and starts to claw his way out of this depression. Um, he started, he, he ends up overcoming his depression and then he begins making appearances on major network television shows like Ellen. He competes on Dancing with the Stars. He um, starts to do a lot of speaking um, and engaging with audiences and has now has his book out and he's just doing amazingly well. So it's, it's just a really cool story to see that total transformation. And I want to talk about the transformation and how he kind of brought himself out of his depression mm-hmm. And I know one of the big things was fitness for him. Um, so he started out really big into fitness, and then he loses his arm and his leg and um, isn't doing any sort of fitness. And he realizes that that's the times when he's been happiest in his life. So he starts to go to the gym. So I want to talk to you about the importance of fitness on mental health. Wow. Okay. So there the study start with the book spark by john rady who was actually on inside quest i think you can find that on tom billu classics the wonderful oh, yeah. youtube channel run by um one of our community members joshua martell what is up homie um so yeah check that out it's very interesting that book talks a lot about the cognitive benefits of 
exercise. Uh, the more I read about the microbiome and the gut-brain connection, the more I am radically moved, freaked out by a little bit, the two-way communication that exists between uh, the body and the mind. I mean, it's, it, it is really extraordinary. So exercising, getting in there, working out, pushing yourself not only has some pretty profound mindset implications, but just from a raw physiological perspective, the degree of communication between your body and your mind is extraordinary. And one of the things I think that most of the community knows about, so I've gotten involved with this company called Modius Health, and one of the things that they're looking at is what can you do to some of your um, major nerves, like the one that they're focused on is the vestibular nerve. What can you do with stimulation there to impact? In their case, um, the FDA recognizes the device as a wellness device for um, weight loss. But if you understand the mechanisms that are at play from there, there are a few things for which virtually universally, if you suffer from weight loss, um, diabetes, uh, and anxiety and depression that universally people will say exercise, mm -hmm. right? So what is it about exercise that has this real impact on, I want to say the brain, but the more I'm reading about the gut, it could be both that what is it about the, the movement, the activity, the, um, discipline stress i need a better word for that but like where you're intentionally putting yourself there so it's it's you're not having the same sort of um response you would get in fight or flight where there's like you get real stress or chemicals pumped uh, but you're putting yourself through that it's very rigorous it does put a stress on the body but you trigger this like ad adaptive response now what is it about that that also dramatically influences mental health I don't think it's clear yet right mm -hmm. now. Like I would just say, look at all the research and understand there are so many studies that are saying, whoa, we don't exactly know why yet, but these two are inextricably linked. Yeah. So it's one of those that when people are struggling, it's literally like the first thing I say, if you have anxiety or depression, you need to get into the gym immediately and you need to begin working out. I don't know what the mechanism is yet, but I will just tell you that it has a massive impact. Um, so it is not at all surprising to me that that's what Noah turned to and that he had this vague sense of whenever I've worked out, I've felt my best, right? Physically yeah, and yeah. mentally. So I know that I, and, and I think in fact, he says when I eat right and work out and that now let's really get crazy. And this I'm actually understanding probably a little bit better than just pure exercise and why it has an impact. But so I was reading about this, that this morning I love it when books like really get me when like I can hardly stop myself and, and turn it off. And I was reading about, it's a book called The Gut-Brain Connection. And it's talking about one, this will freak you out. It certainly freaked me out. The largest sensing organ in your body. I assumed for sure it was the skin. The skin doesn't even come close. If you flatten out, like you can sort of imagine flattening out your skin, right? It's big, but yeah. it's not crazy. If you flatten out the interior lining of your intestinal tract, it's the size of a basketball court. What? So it's not like a little bigger. It is a lot bigger. And That's you have crazy. all of these like um, sensing cells in addition to the bacteria. So you've got all these cells that like basically are watching what's coming in over... I think it's, I know it's over 50%. It may be over 70%, but we'll just say 50 for now to, to really be um, true. Over 50% of your immune cells are in your gut. So there's more immune cells in your gut than there are in your uh, bone marrow and the rest of your body, which is crazy to me. So you've got this like really highly attuned um organ for figuring out what's going on, right? And there is a massive connector, and they didn't mention what it was in the book, but I'm going to guess they're referring to the vagus nerve. There's a massive um, connector, one of the physically thickest nerves that run from the gut to the brain. So it's it allows for two-way communication. So when you get nervous or anxious, where do you feel it? In your chest or your stomach. Yeah, right? Like, how weird is that? Yeah. So, like, people talk about getting butterflies in your stomach. That is... Why? It's so bizarre. Yeah. And it's one of those things that because nobody really had like a clear answer for, we just sort of accept it, but don't really think about the implications of that. So it is 
Yes, very fascinating that. And then on top of that, you have bacteria that are also listening in. So you have bacteria that live in this really thin um, mucosal layer of the intestines, which literally put them just from a proximity standpoint right next to those sensing and communicating cells in your gut. So they're listening to the brain, they're communicating back to the brain, and then the bacteria get in on that. So they're listening. What are our stress levels? Are we is are we in fight or flight? Like what's going on? And so you get that bacterial participation in the communication chain. And the book talks about how that can actually prolong your um, a mood, right? So if you're feeling nervous, anxious, depressed, whatever, that the bacteria can actually prolong that, which is why your microbiome is being implicated in depression, anxiety, and mm-hmm. things like that, that either it's an echo or it could actually by a process called dysbiosis, where you get out of um, what we'll call optimum, um, balance. I hate that word, but like you, things are out of whack, whatever that means. And so it can be feeding into that and sending communications directly to the brain, um, dysregulating your serotonin production. So, um, when he says that it's like that science is really now coming to the forefront. And so it makes so much sense to me that his first step, because he said it all triggered from, he realized my kids are going to learn what a man is by watching me. And I've got to get back to myself, right? I've got to get out of this depression. I've got to get back to who I was. I've got to set a good example. And I think it, it is incredible that he turned to diet and exercise a, because I think it's so effective. And then B, because it must've been so hard for him. Like he had every excuse in the world. And I love what he said about depression. Cause he was like, you know, I was telling a friend I'm feeling depressed and their initial response was, well, you have a reason to be depressed. Like all these other people, like, what have they gone through? And he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. It is, it is a chemical imbalance. And so I love that this guy who could be like the king of, yeah, like what are these guys complaining about? They don't know. Yeah. He's the one, and I know now I'm treading on one of the points you want to bring up, but he's so empathetic. Yeah. Like what is it about this guy? Yeah. It's really unbelievable. Why don't you take us into the empathy waters before I continue on about the microbiome? Sure. Let's go there. Um, one of the things that struck me as I was listening to the episode or, you know, hearing it for the second time was, um, you know, you talk about service a lot and that is a running theme in his life. And it, it struck me when we, when he was going through the hammer story mm. and it's kind of like, what is the takeaway there from the hammer story? And he could have just dropped the Why hammer. Why don't you remind us what the hammer story is? So he's helping out, uh, doing disaster relief. It was a tornado, I yep. think. Tornado yeah, it caused massive in Alabama. damage. I think it was multiple tornadoes. Yeah. Causes massive damage. He goes out, just like community-based organization. They go out to try to help people, put tarps over their houses, save from the rain. So he's out there, and he's up on the roof hammering. And this is with one arm and one leg. And he drops a hammer into the rubble below. And the guy whose house it was, he looks at the guy and he says, I'm going to need another hammer. And the guy says, that was my dad's hammer. And who he, passed away. Who passed away. And you can see the emotion on his face. And so he feels really bad. And he says, I'll go find it. And the guy's like, no, don't worry about it. Anyway, he ends up going down after they finish the tarp. And he looks and looks and looks. And the guy's like, really? It's not a big deal. But you can kind of feel that it's a big mm-hmm. deal for this guy. So he keeps looking. And he ends up finding the hammer. And when he gives it to him, the guy is really emotional and so thankful. So he knows it was important. But I was like, why did he persist when most people would have just said, yeah, it's lost forever. Mm. We're in the middle of a storm. It's raining outside. It's in the rubble. I have one leg and one arm. I can't really go around in this rubble. It's dangerous for me. And he just kept going and going and going. And I think it's like he has a real deep sense of empathy for people. Mm. And you can see that in the cookie story, which is where he stands up for the guy in prison. I love that story. And you can see it with all of his motivations about, you know, enlisting and, and, the way he acted when he was in the military and just he, he lives a life of service, like you mm-hmm. say, and I think it comes from his deep empathy. So I wanted to ask you about what, what do you think empathy has in terms, like how important is it for your life and how important is it in just kind of personal development and self-awareness, emotional intelligence, what role does it play? I'll quickly answer that and then I want to get to um, even broadening out from there as to why we have empathy and why I think that maybe it's one of the most important things we have that's allowed us to become the apex predator. Oh, the irony there. Um, So 
to answer your question, the role that I think that it plays in self-development, the most important role is maybe the least understood, and that is self-compassion in mm. personal development. So in personal development, I think one of the, the most important things that you could do is meet yourself with compassion. It is certainly um, the most necessary thing when you meet other people who are struggling is to meet them with compassion rather than ideology, which... I think people expect from me, like when they ask, like, oh, I've got somebody in my life and they're really struggling and I've had all these breakthroughs and they continue to struggle and like, what do I do? And the answer is don't proselytize, meet them with compassion and empathy and understanding of where they are rather than your like need to change them because you love them and I get it, it comes from a great place. But at the end of the day, like you just need to sit down next to them and love them, right? Yeah. Like that's the, that's the answer. And I think people need to do that for themselves first. And mm. you need to have compassion for all your foibles. And you need to be understanding of yourself when you fall on your face. And why I'm saying this in terms of self-development and improvement is because if you're wasting cycles, like feeling badly about yourself and feeling badly about where you are, it. It, you can't create that forward momentum. You're always beating yourself up. You're always not good enough. And then that, it either stops you from ever having belief in the first place or corrodes your belief. So humans lead with belief. That's the first step. If you don't believe you can do it, you're not going to take the first step. And it doesn't mean that you can, that you already are something. You just need to believe that you can learn and develop those things. So if you can't meet yourself with compassion, that's sort of that step that's going to allow you to build that belief and the confidence that you're going to need to move forward. Okay. So that's why it's important in self-development. Okay. Um, why is it important in, or where do I want to take it from here? So, so reading V.S. Ramachandran's work, one of the things he's most famous for is really understanding the mirror neuron system. Now, what are mirror neurons? Mir they, so this freaked me. You ever read something in a book and you go, it's just not going to pan out in real life. Yes. So I read in a book and it said, if you stick your tongue out at an infant, even like in the first few weeks of their life, they'll stick their tongue back out at you because mirror neurons, mirror neurons, they see what you're doing. Their mirror neuron fires. We have this innate ability to mimic back. And I've talked a lot about it in terms of understanding someone's emotions. You'll find yourself mimicking their posture, mimicking their right. facial expressions. So you can actually feel, which has a whole slew of implications, which are incredibly important to self-emotional management. But so I thought, I read this and I thought, wow, that's so cool. Too bad it won't actually work in real life. And then for some reason, I came in contact with an infant and I just went, and that motherfucker looks right at me and goes, <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe it worked. I was like freaking out. And that was when I realized, like, this might actually be real. So mirror neurons as a system are probably one of the most foundational things to us building a society because you can really connect with somebody. Yeah. You can really understand them. You can really empathize. And that allows you to cooperate in very large groups because there's just a degree of understanding. Also, it allows you to learn skills so you can, this is fascinating, you can put somebody in an fMRI machine and have them swing a bat, let's say. Then you can put them in an fMRI machine and have them watch somebody swing a bat. And then it's like there's two regions of the brain that light up when you do it. And then when you watch it, one of those two regions fully lights up still. So you're, there is like, you're getting a, a massive amount of benefit. You can actually see changes in physiology from asking somebody to think about lifting weights. That's crazy. Let that sink in for a second. Just That's by asking crazy. somebody to think about something in a disciplined manner, it's not just like one-off. It's right. like, you've got to think about it for, I don't remember what the study was. It was like 20 minutes a day, every day. And it was, they actually increased a certain percentage of strength that was more than the double-blind placebo. It's crazy town. So a huge part of what we become capable of is from watching other people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that is amazing. And that's why I think empathy just has like, empathy is an echo of the mirror neuron system. And when somebody has a very developed mirror neuron system, I think you'll find that they'll have an easier time becoming extraordinary at something else. Like whatever they end up, you know, really putting their time and energy and discipline into getting great at, they're going to get big rewards because they'll be able to sponge so much just from watching it, which yeah. is pretty incredible. That's awesome. Really fascinating stuff. And, and I want to go back to what you said earlier about um, depression and the way that uh, Noah Galloway thinks about it and talks about it. And I, I also, it really stopped me in my tracks when he said, you know, 
it, it doesn't need to be anything traumatic in your life. You could mm -hmm. just have depression and that's okay. And we need to acknowledge that. And I thought that was really refreshing the way he talked about it, A. And then the second part that was refreshing is that he talks about it not as, you know, I'm cured from depression, but like depression is something that I have and that I, I will always manage and deal with. And I think that that's an, like, that's something that needs to be talked around, mm -hmm. around mental health too. It's not like we tend to sort of ostracize people and say they have this thing and, Oh, and then they're cured. Congratulations to them. But right. it's like, it's, it's an ongoing battle and that's okay that you're constantly struggling with it. So I wanted to get your thoughts on kind of the, the way that he's thinking about mental health. I know you've talked about anxiety a little bit and having struggled with that. Well, what's really interesting when he mentioned it, he mentioned it in association with it was winter and this winter I really fell prey to it. So there's a thing called seasonal affectation disorder where yeah. It's almost certainly tied to vitamin D, which is, vitamin D isn't really a vitamin. I think it's a hormone precursor, if I remember right. So your body can't just produce it. It needs to um, get it. So from the sun, or you can supplement, or I'm sure there are certain foods that you can eat that may trigger the synthesis of vitamin D. Um, but without it, depression really can be uh, a problem. And so it was really fascinating to see him sort of beginning to recognize what the patterns are. And the sun is one of those really fascinating things where I, I make sure that I get a decent amount of sun exposure. I yeah. lay out in the sun. I don't wear sunblock almost ever. Mm. Um, even when we were in um, Bora Bora, for a second, I can't remember where we went. Uh, in Bora Bora, even then, like I tried, so my wife wanted to do this paddle boarding stuff and I was like, I'm gonna need five or six days to lay down a base tan of laying out you know, 15, 20 minutes at a shot to get a tan before we do that because I don't wanna put sunscreen on. Why don't um, you wanna put sunscreen on? Do you ever read something and you go, it's too early to call from a scientific perspective, but I kinda like there's something to it that unnerves me and so I'm just gonna take a cautious approach. So there are studies, I don't know enough about this, man, like do your own research, draw your own conclusions. But there are some scary studies out there that say that the more, if you, in fact, I think this was the exact study, you're more likely to get skin cancer if you reapply sunscreen than if you get a burn without sunscreen or you only apply it once. Now, I don't know what that means, but maybe it means that there's something in the sunscreen that at a certain level becomes more problematic than the damage from the sun. Now, here's the truth. The sun does damage in no uncertain terms. So, but like anything, the dose makes the poison. So I think you can lay out in the sun too much. I think you can get a weathered look. I think that it can lead to sun uh, skin cancer. But I also think that, again, reading the studies, too early for me to call, but there's a lot of people out there talking, that the, the cancers that form if you have a lack of vitamin D are more terrifying than the cancer that you get from the sun. So I don't know, man. I am not giving advice on this right now. I don't feel that I understand it well enough, but I will tell you what I do. So I get, if it is a sunny weekend day, I'm laying out in the sun. And I'm going to lay out in the sun for 15 to 20 minutes. I'm going to stop shy of burning, but I'm not going to apply sunscreen. So that's the path I've chosen. I get my vitamin D levels checked. My vitamin D levels, I would say, are sort of middle of the road. Uh, they could be better. 80, I think it's what, um, nanograms? I don't remember what the measure for vitamin D is. You Let get that checked that. so that you can kind of monitor. Correct. So your if you're... I'll say that I monitor my levels to find out where they are. I get vitamin D in general because I know that if seasonal affectation disorder is real, that a lack of vitamin D can lead to depression. Got it. Okay. But also anti-cancer properties because that's the bet I'm placing. Um, yeah. So, wow, we could really go deep on that. I don't understand it well enough to really like keep talking about it. So I'm going to stop now. Uh, but that's my routine. Send, send me some of that literature because yeah, I spend a lot of time in the sun. So I need to, I need to research. This. Do you sunscreen up? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So check out, I'll just, a guy who has an interesting perspective. I'm certainly not putting my stamp of approval on him, but a guy that has an interesting perspective is a dude named Dr. Mercola. So Dr. Mercola, everybody. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, it's drmercola.com. Um, I think. Yeah. Check it out. Anyway, Google him. He'll nice. Come up. 
Um, so I'm going to do a couple shout outs and welcome everyone. I know we're about halfway through here. So thank you for joining us on Facebook Live. This is After Impact. This is a show where Tom and I go deep into the episode of Impact Theory. And today we're discussing Noah Galloway in his episode, which is titled "Defeat: How to Defeat Depression and End Excuses. A um, couple shout outs here from Salt Lake City. We got Burn L. Washburn. Burn L. Washburn? Burn L. Washburn. Burn L. Washburn. I need that's to know if name. that's a real name. Burn, are you real? I knew a Brian O'Brien once. Really? Yeah. I don't know whether that's really cool or mean. I grew up with a Justin Case. Seriously? Yes. Justin Case? Justin Case. I want to meet those parents. They have a sense of humor. Yes, they Guaranteed. do. Guaranteed. We also have a couple more shout outs from Mohammed Gyoshi from uh, Giza, Egypt. Whoa. Giza yeah. in the house. What is up? And JL Craigie from the Windy City, Chicago. Nice. Here's a question from Ali Kasim. He says, hey, Tom, great point about meeting yourself with compassion first. Do you think that's one of Gary Vaynerchuk's biggest strengths? That yes. He doesn't judge himself, beat himself up despite his incredibly high standards. I remember you picking up on this in the IT episode. Do you think that's one of the main reasons why he's so empathetic? Definite. I don't know that that's why he's empathetic, but I think that one of his superpowers is that he doesn't judge himself, which I, that really hit me in the middle of the episode. I was just like, this guy will admit the craziest shit. About the time that you admit that you, you emotionally can't lose to like your four-year-old child, like that you just, yeah. you just can't live in that world. I was like, wow, like this guy does not judge himself at all. And I think it's amazing. I think that is exactly how people need to be. Now, I want to say this in the context of I, 20% of the time, I kick myself in the ass and I stop being compassionate and I start, you know, but that's my life. I don't know that everybody um, needs or wants that. I have a cool idea for an infographic. Uh, oh, I want nice. to talk to you about this afterwards. I was like, oh my God, this would be so cool, uh, <laughs> which has something to do with that. Uh -huh. But not everybody needs to, like, I'm the wrong guy for a lot of people to take advice from. I know that. I'm okay with that. I'm a filtering mechanism. I'm trying to build a community of people who think like I think and are motivated right. the way that I'm motivated and can really like understand how powerful, like there's, Jared, there's nothing you could say to me that will convince me that spending 20% of my time in the darkness is a bad idea because the rewards that it has given me are massive right. and that I love my life. I am not perfectly fulfilled by any stretch of the imagination, but I love my life. So, yeah, it's effective for you. And yep. you've said that all along 100%. to do what's effective. Correct. So, so yep, there, there it is. It. So, yes is the very short answer. All right. Um, I want to talk about motivation. It's garbage. That's what I'm told. <laughs> hey. Nice. Uh, quick call back to Mel Robbins there. Yes. Um, so one of the things that motivate or the thing that motivates Noah Galloway is his family, mm. his children. He talks a lot about that in the episode. And more broadly, I think it's service for other people, which we just discussed. And one of the things that helped him get out of his depression and get back into the gym was, I think it was his cousin. Who yeah, was Corey. Yeah, who was struggling with weight. And that's what got him excited mm. to really, you know, get disciplined around it. So it's interesting that those are the things that really get him going. And um we talk about motivation a lot on impact theory. So do you think that there is one type of motivator that is stronger than others? And also, do you think that service, like doing things for other people, things for other people is one of the strongest motivators? Wow. I think that's going to be unique to the individual. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's universal. Okay. Um, so I will, in fact, I know it's not universal. Doing the cool captivate thing that we did, dude, I had so much fun. If you're an entrepreneur, if you have employees, I'm telling you right now, read the book Captivate and actually sit down with your employees, take her quizzes and then discuss. It was unbelievable. It is it so was. fascinating because with your internal life, it all feels so objectively real that you just can't imagine other people are, legitimately motivated by different things. Yeah. And so to go around the group and see how many, like one to see how we have clearly attracted a certain type of person. Yeah. So there was like a scary amount of things where we were like, virtually everybody was like, yeah, that's me. And then the diversity of 
on other things where it was like, whoa, like you're, you value this and I value that. And like, oh man, it was so, so interesting. So anyway, that's a tangent. I don't think it's the same. I will tell you what I'm motivated by. I was just thinking about this in the shower. Uh, if there's like a big earthquake while we're at the house, stay the fuck away from the chandelier, right? Like nobody yeah. trusts that that thing isn't coming down. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, what would I do if Wookie were under that table and she refused to come out? Because when dogs get scared, they won't move. And I thought I would literally have to go under the, the one thing that I would tell everybody to get away from. And so I'm running this scenario in my head and I thought, you know, like if I went to grab her and pull her out and it falls and like I lose an arm, like how would I think about that after the fact? Would I say it was a mistake? Or would I say, you're damn right. Like small price to pay. I feel now more strongly than ever that it was the right thing. And I thought, I am so, I feel such a sense of um, wanting to protect those that I care about that without question, the thing I rehearsed the most in my life is defending my wife. Right. Like in, in an altercation that just does not, um, the odds are stacked against me and I just have to blaze into it. You know, what do you do when you're surrounded by 200 enemy soldiers? You kill them all. Uh, I think about that all the time, all the time, all the time. And that is way more motivating for me than protecting myself. Now, here's something that's interesting. I never get spooked if my wife is home, ever. But I do if I'm by myself. Like if, if uh, an earthquake hit and I were by myself, I'd be like, oh, shit. If an earthquake hits and my wife is here, like all I can think about is I've got to find her. I've got to get her into the triangle of life. Look it up. I've got to get her into a triangle of life. Like my every instinct is just like all about her and making sure that she's safe. That is so interesting to me. Very interesting. So anyway, it's a huge motivator for me. I don't expect it to be the same for everybody. Identifying what your thing is, because I think there's a lot of juice and going, that's my thing. And so now I'm going to line things up. Like one of the ways when I'm really fatigued, I'm really tired and fuck, like, do I, oh God, like continuing to push and push and push. I think about the promises that I've made to my wife and what I want to give her. I think about the kid out there right now who will believe that his life is just meant to be less than it could be because that's the belief system he's been given. Like that gets me going. Thinking about like a fancy car and more money, like that doesn't motivate me. Yeah. So actually that's a lie. That motivates me, not nearly enough. The other stuff is way more potent to me. That's awesome. In the Wookiee scenario where she's under the chandelier, yeah. I want to ask, is the motivator there protecting Wookiee or is it protecting Lisa? Oh, wow. It's actually protecting Wookiee, but you put like, so I really do think of her as my child. So I would be doing it for that. I could not be okay with myself. And I remember thinking this when, um, when she went missing and I was with the canine unit and we were going down, literally she said, okay, this, cause there was two dogs, one that looks for signs of life and the other looks for signs of death. And the second dog, after we exhausted the signs of life dog, the signs of death dog was like, the handler said what this dog does is actually find a coyote trail and follow it back because that's like the surest way to find um, the, the point of death. And I remember thinking, we're crawling up a coyote trail? Like, if we do this right, this ends at coyotes. <laughs> so, and I remember thinking at the time, I will fuck them up. I will ruin a coyote if it comes out right now because if that's what I have to do to like get to my daughter, uh, then so be it. So I had no fear and I just kept going forward relentlessly, 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 like wanting, like come fuck with me right now. And when it's that, when it's like helping somebody else and and having that sense of like, this is my child and I have to do whatever the fuck it takes to protect them. Like to look at myself, I would have to do that, which is why like, look, I don't want to put myself in harm's way, but if that's what I have to do to live by that code and protect those that I care about, then so be it. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, 
pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is off Offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off, and that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. But yeah, I should be thinking of my wife because the emotional devastation that she would go through would be gnarly. Yeah. Here's a question from Ahmed Hassan. He says, uh, Tom, do you think that you could fight depression spiritually? And does it matter in that case? And in that case, we're assuming means curing it doesn't matter which way you cure depression. Uh, we'll just leave. We'll it stop that. there. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'd have to define the word spiritual. Yeah. So I'm going to say mindfulness. I think plays a huge part in that. It's probably not what he means by spiritual, uh, but that that is a very entangled word. Yes. Um, so at the end of the day, this is a brain chemistry, um, gut 
chemistry problem. It's a chemistry problem. Let's just stick with that. Right. It's a chemistry problem. Yeah. So um, if the spiritual practices are helping you change your chemistry, helping you change your wiring in the brain, absolutely. If they don't, then it won't help. So this isn't something that I believe sort of exists outside of the body. I don't think it's going to help you. Um, but if whatever that meditative practice is or whatever that looks like, if it is helping you, um, then maybe, and now let's get really specific. If let's take a church definition of spirituality, if going to church and connecting with other people and being around people that are like-minded and uplifting, like that could have a huge impact, just connecting with people sure. or a social animal. So I think there could be huge positive implications to getting out of the house. Like one of the things that I would do if, if I didn't have Lisa and I found myself in a depressive state, I would try to get around other people, even though I'm introverted. But I think that being around people, they would have to be positive. I would have to be a super psycho about that. Like they would have to be upbeat, positive people that are in a good place in their lives and we're not wallowing that I'm meeting their mood. I'm mirroring what they're going through. I'm matching their facial expressions, their postures, their attitudes, right? So you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Make sure those five people are very positive. Yeah. So yeah, I would make sure that I did that. So nice. two sides of the coin there. like it. Um, one of the things that Noah says in the episode is he, I, I, I think the phrasing was he was good. He was a good soldier because he was not afraid of death yeah. when he went on his tours. And I wanted to ask, what do you think the equivalent of that is in business and in life? That is very easy. In business, that's very easy. So the equivalent in business is total catastrophic collapse of your business and personal finances and shameful, shameful embarrassment. Um, so think like, imagine you've raised venture capital money, millions of dollars. Um, you've sold them on you, on your idea, and you go in with so much confidence that they really buy into you. Mm -hmm. And now you go and you're doing everything and it fails. And now you just lost a lot of money for a lot of people. And let's say you did it in an embarrassing fashion and you just did something stupid and it all collapses. Your reputation collapses, everything. Like That is the business equivalent. And then how do you rebuild? It, it is only the people who can face that and be like, yeah, uh, I get it. I know that that's a very real possibility, but I'm going to march forward anyway that end up being successful. Like you really do. I won't say that you have to be fearless, but you have to be courageous. So in spite of the fear, you've got to continue to act. You've got to continue to push forward. When I, And look, I think about this. When I think about that once again, I've asked my wife to like put her house on the line and like, you know, just hey, let's risk it all again. Um, and she doesn't go into it saying like, oh, well, you've always won in the past, and so you're gonna keep winning in the future. It's not that. It's, it is a true willingness to say, okay, if it all goes to nothing, am I still gonna be okay with that? And certainly for me, the answer is yes. I mean, I don't even have to hesitate. For my wife, I think the answer is yes. I don't even think she hesitates. She certainly doesn't outwardly. Um, so yeah, you got to be able to face that down. Now in life, in life, I think you're back to actual death. I think that's where people fear actually dying. Um, that if I do that, jump out of an airplane or whatever. Or, um, yeah, it, it, it comes down to fear. And not everybody's thinking about death, but death really is the worst case scenario, by the way. Sure. Um, so I like people to really think through that. Uh, embarrassment, I think, is a real hard one for people, being judged by those that mm -hmm. they love. Um, like, I'll tell you one that would be hard for me. If I failed, then my mom, who worries about me all the time, it's like, I just realized at a certain point, my mom can sit in my Beverly Hills mansion and worry about my finances. And I'm just like, how do you do that? How's that, like, even possible? So I get it's, like, pathological. Yeah, very, very high neurotic. Um, it's pathological. So if I were to fail, the one conversation I would not be looking forward to would be my mom. Like I knew I had to worry, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, that would be less than enjoyable. What do you think about the concept of memento mori? Which is, I don't know what that means. It just means that you're going to die. Mm. And, um, a lot of philosophers, I think a lot of Stoics too. What does it translate about, to directly? I don't know the exact translation. Cause but it's two words, right? Memento Mori. Yeah. But it's, it's funny. Somebody we encountered recently has that tattooed on them. Really? And I remember thinking, 
ask them what, and that we just got busy. So, wow. So their arm said, remember, you're going to die. Yeah. That's fascinating. So I know a lot of philosophers and Stoics have talked about this and some people have talked about actually meditating on your death mm. um, as a way to, I guess, gain perspective. What do you think about that? Well, it's really interesting to me because I live in the friction between I plan to live forever and I'm acting accordingly and that right now the changes haven't been made that will allow me to live forever. And by the way, I could have an aneurysm and die before I finish the sentence, right? So like living in that I think is the only smart way to live because if you're obsessed about death and worried about it, it's, those are just cycles that you could be putting towards something else. And I think if you really plan to live forever, um, health becomes a real, real thing for you. And thinking about your long-term health also optimizes you in the moment, which I think is important. Also, it you'll never be afraid to make big plans. So I could be 80 and thinking about, okay, what's going to be that next big thing that I'm going to do and never let your past be bigger than your future? Like when you think you actually have a shot at living forever, that, that isn't crazy. Um, but at the same time, like the perspective of I've got one shot and I need to make this count like that is really, really important. And so I do bounce back and forth between the bravado of I'm going to live forever and the, um, but you might not. And so are you really making this count? Like, are you really pushing hard enough? Did you milk everything out of life? So the funny thing is, I think people would predict that I wouldn't respond well to somebody having the tattoo memento mori on them but it actually makes me want to get on one forum memento mori and then on the other whatever the latin is for you're going to live forever yeah um because that duality sits at my core nice i like it um going back to our facebook live audience thanks again for joining us and if you have questions for tom about this episode please submit them in the comments below we haven't had too many questions today so Let's get active, guys. Let's get yeah. in there. WTF. Um, yeah. Man. And if this content is providing value, please share it with the community that helps us grow. And a reminder, the 24-hour live. 24-hour live. 8.23. 9 a.m. Get up on it. To 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Tom is going to do a marathon Facebook Live. We're calling it the Impactathon. Impactathon. I like that. There it is. We're going to have all kinds of guests come on the show. We're going to have all kinds of giveaways different types of content, just things you've never seen before. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So join, join us for that. Um, here's a question from Ali Kassam. Kassim, right. again. Staying, staying nice and active. Right, uh, do you, th Tom, do you think there's an evolutionary biological based reason why helping others is such stronger motivation? Yes. Shall I expand? Yes, please. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're a social creature. And I think that the way that we've been able to um, get to the point that we are, which I'll shorthand as the apex predator, is because of our ability to get together in large groups, our ability to pass on um, culture, our ability to help each other. Uh, that is just a really, really big deal. So think about it just in terms of caring for the elderly. So as you get older, it kind of sucks, like your body traditionally is dwindling, but you have access to the most knowledge, wisdom. And when you care for your elders, it's a way to keep that knowledge going and multiplying. But if you don't care, if you're you know, like uh, one of the species that is a lone player or they eat their young or, you know, like whatever that weird scenario ends up being that you don't get that transference of knowledge. You don't get the massive accumulation of knowledge. And I think accumulation of knowledge is really important. So why? So as you get older, assuming that you stay cognitively sharp, your those ideas are bouncing around and they're forming new ideas. And I think that when like take our amazing, amazing army of interns, I love our interns. I don't Me say too. that enough. I don't say that enough to them. Hi, love you guys. Um, what's fascinating to me is I can see their future. I can see them 20 years from now and they can't. So knowing who they become, like seeing the raw horsepower that they have, but they just don't have the knowledge and the wisdom. They just haven't read the books. They haven't done the cycles. So right. they're, they make rookie mistakes, right? Where it's like, I can laugh about it internally because I'm like, you won't make that mistake in 20 years. Like, you'll just have 
fallen on your face enough times. You'll have embarrassed yourself enough times. Like you'll have encountered really cool ideas enough times and they'll uniquely begin to coalesce in your unique mind in a unique and special way that you will be a force to be reckoned with. But I haven't found a way to short circuit the cycles, mm-hmm. right? The, the need to just live a life and live it at full speed and trying to accumulate as much knowledge as humanly possible in the way that they bounce off each other. It, it's really, really interesting. So being an animal that is social, that cares for others, which is derived from that empathy and that compassion, you're able to prolong the lives. I mean, this is just one way. You're able to prolong the lives of people who are going to have all these unique ideas, all this unique experience, making these unique connections that they can then pass to the next generation. And that compounds on itself. And it's that cultural compounding that is so interesting. And when you look at how culture itself is like an exponential curve and the way that that knowledge just stacks and stacks and stacks and just seeing what the internet has done to the accumulation of knowledge is unbelievable and i'm so grateful to that when i so when i'm alone and i'm reading something that empowers me meaning it has actual utility in my life i just want to like scream a thank you to somebody for all of this because every book that's being written is now being written with the full knowledge that's accessible to them over the internet. So think about science and the way that now they could have interactions with a Japanese science, somebody in Australia, people that just before, it would have been so physically disparate that even if they were writing a letter, it could take a month or more for that letter to traverse, to get to them. And you can imagine like now, you could bounce those ideas off of each other in real time over Skype. It's nuts. So yeah, it is amazing. That's awesome. I want to talk about sheepdogs. Unexpected. Let's do it. So this is hearkening back to the episode with Mark Devine. Is he Wednesday? Is he going to be part of that? Do we know? Can we confirm? His name came up at some point. Okay. But may or may not. I don't think he's scheduled for Wednesday. Okay. But that would be amazing. But at least you're going to be on his podcast. We know that. Do we? Yes. Is that Wednesday? Well, I think we're trying to work it out, but you will be okay. on this podcast. It may happen during the Facebook Live. We're not sure. So nice. that would be tune incredible. in. It could he's be such a cool dude. Yeah, he's awesome. So his his thing is there are sheep and there are wolves and there are sheep dogs. Yep. And he considers himself a sheep dog, which is a protector of really just the general populace. Right. Against the the threatening wolves, the the evil in the world. I see Noah Galloway as a as a similar figure, a sheep dog. And I know this concept resonates with you because I can see that kind of fire in your eye when people mm-hmm. like Noah and Mark come on the show. So I wanted to ask you, what, what is it about that? Because also in the stories that you tell about how you think about if a disaster happens here, like what, how you would act, or mm-hmm. if we're on an airplane and a terrorist takes over, how you would act. So yeah. why does that resonate with you so strongly? And that's a good question. And I think five years ago, I would have thought, well, that's universal. Everybody should be like that. And I think now that's probably not true. Like, I think people are motivated by different things. Um, and to me, I want that responsibility. I want that role of leadership, which comes with tremendous responsibility. Like, you can't, you can't ask people to follow you if in times of trouble you're not prepared to lead. Right. Yeah. So like the, the every day is whatever. It's when it gets hard that people need to be able to count on you. So I find that really, really fascinating. And that resonates with me because for whatever reason, like when I see somebody like, oh, I don't want to use cheesy words, but like this is what's actually happening in my head. When I see somebody suffering, I really want to help. I, I, I just want to help. And I like seeing people win. Like that to me is really, really fun. And I've told this story before, but I'll just keep telling it. I remember in business, and this was pretty early on in my um, journey as an entrepreneur. So this really hurt me. And this guy that I really respected, and he was very, very successful. And he looked at me and he said, you don't have the killer instinct. And I was like, oh God. Like, but he was right. Because he was like, when you see somebody wounded or down like you've got to go stamp them out and i just thought god he's right man like you have to you just gotta go like kill him and i was like god that really doesn't make me feel good and this was like all at that time before i had said there's a way to do business that i'm gonna do and i don't give a fuck if it's 
if it works or not, it's actually going to make me enjoy my life. Yeah. And I'm going to enjoy my life. Like it's the game of brain chemistry. And I didn't realize that yet. And so I thought there was a mold that I had to fit in. And I really tried. And I really tried to have the killer instinct. And finally, one day it dawned on me, he's right. I don't have the killer instinct and I'm going to use that to my advantage and I'm going to be open and honest and real and quest is going to be about transformation. It's going to be about celebrating people. It's not going to be about rewarding people for being a badass and having six pack abs. It is going to be the catalyst of change because that resonates with me and helping somebody make that first step like that resonates with me. So for whatever reason, like I love that moment and because I have finally allowed myself to respect that in myself, to prize that despite what other people may come around me, what the world may try to tell me I should be doing. Like it just never resonated. So, and this is that whole thing that you decide who you are. And so once I started fanning those flames, then it like really became something because it wasn't like, oh, like I'm, I think of myself as so compassionate and empathetic. It wasn't like that. I just felt like this little twinge, right? Like I wanted my sister to win the Easter egg contest. Uh, when my friends did well, I legitimately wanted to celebrate with them and be stoked for them. Mm-hmm. Even if it was something where it, we were doing the same. Like, so back in high school, I was a thrower. So it's a very individual thing. So many times you're beat by your own teammates. And I remember thinking, man, if, if my feelings were entirely based on if I did badly, like worse than I'd ever done, then I was bummed because I messed up. And if I did my best and then my friend beat me because they did their best and their best was better, I was stoked. I was stoked for myself and I was stoked for them. So that's just real. That's just where I'm at. And so finally, once I realized that having the killer instinct wasn't better than the way that I am, then I just started fanning those flames, fanning it, fanning it, fanning it, and really turning it into something. And so then you can start like putting it at the center, planting a flag. It becomes part of your identity. Then it starts to really magnify and grow, but it doesn't start out as like this overwhelming sense. It was small. Yeah. And then I just, <laughs> until it really became something. Nice. All right. We got a bunch of questions coming in from Facebook Live. Now. Nice. So you, we, we put an ask and they responded. Yes. Thank this you. one's from Jumani. Jumani. We haven't heard from Jumani in a while. Yeah. And suddenly I'm teleported back to Tacoma. That's right. Um, so he's talking about the, the, he calls him the cookie monster guy in jail. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Selling the cookies. The cookie, that's a great name. Yeah, that's great. Nice. Um, so Noah told himself that he is the type of guy that doesn't put up with bullying. Can that technique apply to anything? An example would be I'm the type of person to go to sleep at 10 p.m., I'm the kind of person that is hilarious, funny at parties. Well, that's really interesting. So, yes, so that's identity, identity right? Yeah. Um, so, you build your identity, and then you, there is just an innate human drive to match your identity, especially if you externalize it and tell people. Like, ima- just imagine for a second. Like, when I did my fast, I wanted to laugh because people were writing me and, like, oh, like, how, like, are you ever tempted to, like, you know, not do it or to like give up and stop. And I thought the number of times that I've said to an international audience that I'm a certain type of person, the internal pressure that I have to live up to that is, is a tsunami of pressure. Now I do that largely because I want the tsunami of pressure. I want to make sure that I would feel so disgusted gusted with myself if I secretly ate something because I'd be like I'm such a fraud like I'm sitting here telling people that I'm some way and then I don't do it like the other day Chase was like oh are you fasting this morning intermittent fasting and I was like yeah I am and then I thought actually no I'm not because I put about 10 calories worth of heavy cream into my coffee so no technically I'm not fasting and he called me he was like yeah I can't believe you said you were fasting that's not a fast I was like 100%. Like even those 10, I remember, I've told this story before, but I remember the very first time I fasted and day two is usually the worst, right? I wake up in the middle of the night, day two of my fast and my head hurt so badly. And I didn't know if Advil had calories. So I couldn't bring, I'm like, no one will know. No one will ever know, but I'll know. And that's the thing about identity, man you know. 
And identity is about those moments when you're all by yourself and there's no one around, there's no music playing to distract you, there's just you and what you think about yourself. And it's those, I have the chills. It is those moments, my friend, where you actually move towards fulfillment and really being like at peace with who you are because in that moment when no one would ever know, but you know you'll know, that you act in accordance with how you wanna feel about yourself. So yes, I put it out there because I also want it to echo back, but at the same time, it is all about, I said I was gonna do it, and now I'm gonna do it. And now I'm careful about what promises I make to myself because I know like, that means I've really got to care about something because I'm gonna hold myself to that standard and it like sometimes, like the time where I had the crushing headache and it sucked unimaginably. And I just thought, you can't. You said you were gonna do this thing. And now to feel about myself the way I want to feel about myself, I have to. So you'll notice I don't fast very often because it's painful. Yeah. Uh, so, and once I start, I'm going to finish. So I was watching, um, I'm going on Joe Rogan today. I'm so excited oh, yeah. about that. It's gonna be awesome. So I was watching a bunch of Joe Rogan um, footage. One of them was Dom D'Agostino, a guy that's really into ketogenics, somebody we worked with at Quest. And um, he was taught, oh God, why did I bring up Dom? Damn it. <laughs> it's slipping away. It, oh, I'm very proud of myself right now because I remembered. So Dom was talking about doing a seven day fast. And I was like, <laughs> like, I've never done more than three. And so I thought, could I do a seven day fast? Do I man up? Do I do the seven day fast? It's on my mind. I'm thinking about it, but I won't promise myself to do it until I'm really committed to getting to the other side of that seven day fast. Yeah. But he said something super intriguing in it. I can see you looking, so I need to wrap up. Uh, that day two and three are the worst. And so because I only ever do a three day fast, I'm like, God, the thought of going beyond three days is like, that sounds very unfun. Um, and he was like, oh yeah, days two and three are, are really hard. But he's like, once you're on the other side of that, he said, it's actually really quite easy. So part of me wants to see what's on the other side of that. So I'm thinking about is it. Is that even no healthy seven days? Um, if you talk to Dom DeGasigo, the answer is yes. And there are massive uh, implications in terms of um, cancer. And the oh, reason it probably is healthy, so there's this thing called apoptosis, you put, which is programmed cell death, so intentional cell death to a cell that is weakened or has um, messed up DNA and it knows somehow, I don't know how, but that its replication of DNA has become messed up and so it kills itself. Now a cancer cell is a cell that never clicks over into apoptosis even mm -hmm. though it's damaged. So, and that's why they become so problematic because they just replicate, replicate, replicate. And um, so he said that they get in this weakened state and you put the added stressor of the caloric deficit and because it, he said, literally is in an energy crisis, his theory is that they need glucose to survive. So if you're robbing them of glucose, because there'll be ketones in your bloodstream because you're metabolizing body fat, uh, because there'll be ketones in your bloodstream that um, the, your body functions normally, but a cancer cell, his hypothesis, is that they can only burn glucose. And if that's true and you rob your body of glucose through a fast, that you would kill any of those cells that are in a weakened state, wow. uh, which would be cancer cells. And so they now go through a sort of mandated through energy crisis apoptosis and they die um, so right very fascinating yeah. maybe he's wrong but what if he's right and one of those things is maybe it's not all cancers but what if it's like you could inoculate yourself from 80 percent of cancers like would you do it if i knew guaranteed that a yearly seven-day fast a monthly seven-day fast would make me bulletproof against cancer i knew it i would do it 100 percent. and it's only that like does it work that stops you you're like god like that's a lot of suffering from maybe right <laughs> yeah. so that's where this all falls apart but uh yeah so 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 interesting so so interesting but you asked me another question and i derailed on um because it was even, is it, is it even healthy? Yeah, almost certainly. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Next question. Anyway, I, I think we're actually out of time. Are we? Yeah. So you don't think you know we're out of time, right? Yeah. Because it either is or is not 11 o'clock. Guys, these are fun. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for doing a lot of work to make these episodes pop. I now, other than watch the episode, I do absolutely zero preparation for these, uh, which the lazy person to me is full of gratitude to you for You're running welcome. these. Guys, remember, August 23rd, my friends, as a thank you, as a display of my gratitude, I'm going to be of service 
how that keeps coming back around. For 24 hours, I will make myself available to you. I will answer any and all questions that are submitted by 6 a.m. on the 24th. So during that whole time, as long as I come in by then, I will answer however long it takes. And the only reason I put the cap at 6 a.m. is because I don't want people trolling me and coming at like 8.59 and asking more and more questions right. just to fuck with me. Um, so as long as the question is submitted by 6 a.m. on the 24th, so I'll be deep, 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 deep into the 24-hour uh, live by that point, I will stay as long as required to answer those questions. So um, it is me wanting to be of service to you guys as a thank you. I cannot believe how fast this community is growing and it's all because i hope it's adding value and you're sharing it share 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 uh this feed if it's adding value that'd be amazing all right this is a weekly show if you haven't already be sure to subscribe and until next time my friends be legendary take care Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.